What's up, guys? It's John Nelson, and you are listening to the Starting Block Podcast. If you are new to the show, this is a show for complete athletic development. Our mission here is to give you guys the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. Now, let's break down the show for you new guests. First off, I appreciate y'all joining. Thanks so much. Um, as I keep saying every episode, because it's true, um, you guys are paying your dues because numbers keep going up, and we appreciate that, and that gives us the ability to to bring you guys a lot of good content, or at least hopefully it's good content, and some good guests too. So appreciate that, and uh, new folks, thanks for joining as well. Here's how our show operates. We are slightly off the beaten path, which shouldn't surprise you. We are a little different than most shows. You're going to hear three different types of episodes from us. You will get a Q&A. This is a bi-weekly episode. That's where myself and my co-host Chris Scarborough. What's up, my man? Good afternoon, guys. That is where Chris and I will take the questions that you submit to us, and we will answer those. That can be anything from training, the neuro stuff, rehab, performance, you name it, we'll tackle it. Chris, where can they submit questions? Submit questions to info at startingblockpodcast.com. And by the way, we've gotten questions, you know, John sent directly to you. We've had people ask us questions on our you know, some of our Instagram posts. So, I mean, apparently, you know, those might be fair game as well. But uh, we prefer that you send them to that email, info at startingblockpodcast.com. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll just I'll build on that real quick. Yeah, I don't have any problem like you know helping you you know through DMs and stuff. But if you could just work with us and kind of help follow our system and keep some things organized, that'd be that'd be great. Because you know we also do have businesses to run as well. And um, you know, like I had a I had a coach uh, from uh, from a baseball team in Texas reach out to me, and uh, we scheduled a phone call. It was great to talk to him, and he DM me, and that's totally fine. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're gonna submit questions you want on the show, uh, I definitely ask that you please email them to us, and uh, that way we can stay organized so uh that is q a guys the next type of show you'll hear from us is our other bi-weekly show and that is the guest interview it's where we're going to bring on our colleagues and friends from across the country they're going to share their stories of success and what they do with their clients or their practice and that's what today is and we'll bring our guest on here in just a second um but today is a guest interview now the final show that you'll hear is going to be our friday fire saturday sermon just depends on when i can get to it and that is going to be about 15, 20 minutes of me giving you a little insight into um, a little bit different side of uh, athletic development, maybe the motivational side, the business side. We actually had one of my uh, athletes, uh, college athletes, come on for a quick episode um, a couple weeks ago just to talk about mentality um, from recovery from injuries. So um, it's kind of a smorgasbord of different things. But uh, that's the Friday Fire one. And like we said, uh, we say every show, uh, there is a fee. Guys, we do ask that you pay your dues, all right? Um, the only way that we continue to do this and we continue to grow is if you guys share this show. Guys, bring us a friend, please. Um, put it up on social media. Tag us. Let us know it's out there because we're doing this for free. We're not charging anything. I think that's a very fair and simple thing to ask. Um, you know, I know you guys like it, so please do us a solid and, and help us grow the show and spread this mission, okay? Um, that's all we ask for. So that is, uh, that's all our housekeeping stuff uh, for today. Let's go ahead and get right to it. Without uh, further ado, today's guest episode, we are pleased to welcome Mr. Wade Houchin from Wizard Performance down in Texas. Woo-hoo! What's up, bro? What's up, Wade? Hey, guys. How you doing? How you doing? Good to have you. Good to Good, have you man. on again and see you in face, in person, and not on the DMs. 
Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, man, for sure. You're uh, you're always sharing our show and stuff, man. We uh, we greatly appreciate that, and looking forward to to digging into this. I know you know you've uh, you started Wizard Performance a little while back, and based on what uh, what your social shows, man, things are growing pretty good. And um, you know, and you do you do a lot of neurotype stuff uh, out there as well, right? Like you're a square one guy, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yep. Yep, we're getting going here about month five and um, into our facility here in Salina, Texas. Um, not Salina, Salina. So uh, we, uh, you know, working with about 30 athletes right now and um, a handful of adults and mixing in all the neuro stuff into our kind of unique training modalities as well. So uh, happy where we're at and know where we need to get to and we're somewhere in between. So That's awesome, man. I mean, five months and you're growing pretty quick. So that's great, man. Good for you. Um, yeah, be, running a business is uh, – it's it's a whole different beast, you know. <laughs> like, Absolutely, you're you're no longer just the trainer or the coach. Like you are the trainer, the coach, the marketer, the bookkeeper, you know, the uh, the the janitor. You're everything. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I, no doubt. I, I know the feeling. That's why I'm 36 and I look like I'm about 46 because I've been doing this for uh, 12 years now. Um, I almost look as old as Chris. Uh, but, anyways, man. Well, let's uh, tell tell us about uh, a little bit about your training style. Like what. Uh, you know, what kind of got you into some of this? And, you know, before you kind of ventured to the neuro side, like kind of what, what's your what's your beliefs as a trainer, as a coach? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm a longtime football coach and was a high school special education teacher. Um, started training people on the side. And um, I think the first system I really kind of, you know, went and studied was just uh, like a lot of us, uh, Louis Simmons, Westside Barbell stuff. Oh, yeah. It looked like a look like a really good way to get people strong and and i'm a football guy so in our meathead world that you know that kind of uh appeals to to a lot of our nature and so you know played around with that and you know started eventually getting to be in charge of high school weight rooms and uh, quite frankly realized that that approach being dogmatic about it my kids weren't ready for it you know we were we were out coaching them if you will in the weight room and probably on the field too sometimes and um you know so i kind of you know, like anything else, you you take the things that you feel like are still valuable and, and leave the rest maybe and go and search for something else. I've always at least tried to be on a quest for some knowledge and, and connect with great people and steal the best things that we can. So that was kind of what cut my teeth and, you know, um, high school weight room situation and started a little training on the side in my basement um, out of my house with my kids and their own friends. And it eventually grew into me getting out of teaching and, and going full time into this. And this was while we were in Nebraska yet. So. Nice. So, all right. So high school football in Texas is a religion. Like, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm in Tennessee, so I mean, it's pretty big too, but, uh, it's a religion <laughs> down there. What's the, uh, what's the training from, at? The, from the Brad Arnett podcast? We're going <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> we can sell that argument later. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the training environment like down there? Like from a football side of stuff, you say, you know, are they still, I mean, is it still, you know, bang and clang, bench, squat, deadlift all in the same day and do that three times a week? Yeah, I wish I could say no, but yeah, that's been my experience. Um, I, you know, people people talk a certain way about the state of Texas, and I'm, you know, proud to be here and all that, but there's been a lot of times I felt like I moved back a couple decades or maybe more than a couple decades in time from where I came from. Um, just, uh, and it depends on obviously the community and the dynamics, but I would say it's just very much still old school, chase the weights on the bar, let's see how big and strong we can get. And, you know, I might get crucified for this, but, you know, at the expense of athleticism, you know, and that's what I'm seeing down here. I'm seeing lots of unnecessary injuries, lots of, um, this is the way we've always done it, you know, don't bro, don't change it if it's not broken, don't fix it type mm-hmm. of thing. And 
mentality is, uh, yeah, it's not uh, not super advanced, uh, at least in my neck of the woods right now. So, let's, so let's, sorry, go ahead, John. I was just going to say, dig, dig in a little bit to the, uh, you know, strength at the expense of athleticism and why why you feel that and what you see. I mean, obviously, yeah, injuries are a part of that, but aside from the injury side of it, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one of my tenets is, you know, be strong enough. And that, you know, correlates to even my experience as a college football player. I'm, I'm a short guy. I was a little slot receiver at a small college in Nebraska. And I came in at 165 pounds and I left at 205. And, you know, just the quick and dirty version is I should have stopped somewhere around 185 pounds and, and still been fast enough and, and strong enough to play that position. So, you know, being strong enough correlates with, you know, I think um, it resonates more the higher level you get. I think, you know, for for youngsters, it's hard to get too strong, right? But um, I think an imbalanced way is what we're seeing here at the high school level a lot where we're we're really strong in certain planes of motion, certain bilateral, you know, movements and at the expense of, you know, training ligaments and, and tendons and going through full ranges of motion and things like that um, from a lifting standpoint. And then, you know, I think sacrificing things that could be maybe a better use of time for what that, you know, that one rep max kind of uh, pie in the sky number that we're, we'd like to chase here in westernized <laughs> periodizations. Yeah. So like what, what is, too strong or what is strong enough for you in the sense of like a high school kid because you know there are a lot of high school coaches parents athletes that listen to this but there's also a lot of you know college coaches that listen to this I've, I've noticed as well but so they're all we're all kind of working with a majority of the same dem- same demographic you know 15 to maybe 19 ish give or take so if strength clearly is an important aspect to stuff in your eyes especially in the football world, what is strong enough? Yeah, fantastic question. I think that was a Twitter response. Somebody had a good good uh, thread going the other day. I can't give credit where credit's due because I don't remember. But strong enough, I think, comes down to at least, you know, having a being a professional that's overseeing the program. And if whatever your important uh, KPIs are for your sport, your your athletes, wherever you're, whatever you're chasing, whatever you're measuring, how are those numbers correlating with what um, you view as a professional or the most important expressions that are needed for, for that sport? You know, so, I mean, we all argue over um, semantics and things and, hey, what's important and what's not and what's too much and not enough. And, you know, um, we're, you know, super data-driven people to um, coaches, I people and everything in between. I don't think anything's necessarily right or wrong, but you know, if what you're measuring for what you feel like is most value valuable isn't um, isn't matching up, then I think you just have to look at maybe what part of your your overall programming could be lacking. You know, give here, take here, that kind of thing. So we're just constantly always looking for for you know um, max velocity, and you know, and I'm a big Tony Holler feed the cats guy, and I know that's like. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about being strong enough, I feel like it's almost went to the other board where the, where the critics or the some or you know criticism as of late has almost been like we've sacrificed getting strong on the altar of you know minimal minimal effective dosage. You know, and like you know, there's a sweet spot on and where is that? It's kind of your question, obviously. But you know, if my kids' broad jumps are consistently going down, or their vertical jumps are consistently going down, or their ten meter flies are going down, but they you know, but they look better and their weights are moving. I think you just you know over time you start trying to pull that in or reach out to somebody that 
might help be able to guide you in that way. And, you know, so I think it comes down to what you're measuring, what you feel is important, you know. And then for me, if I'm – sport of football specifically, and it's a, it's a Tony Holler thing, it's I want race horses, not plow horses. So, um, you know, I want to be able to run by people rather than necessarily run over them. And I know that's kind of anti-status quo for for a lot of football mentalities. And, you know, trust me, that's my sport. That's my game. But, um, you know, I've seen it – you know, be detrimental in my own life from a, like I said, I got my 40 time got slower, you know, as I went through college, but I damn sure looked good in the mirror, you know? Right. Well, <laughs> well so let, let's yeah. back up you, for something you said just a minute ago, you said that you're seeing some, you know, weird injuries, you know, that, that, you know, for whatever reason, right. What are some of the more common things that you see? I mean, you probably heard, you know, mine and John's podcast in the past and some of the things we've seen, what are some of the common things you see that are, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Specifically, where I'm at, knees and backs. Um, our local football team had uh, seven serious, like you know, tear knee tears on the in one season this fall. Um, and the guys look good getting off the bus. I'll tell you that. Um, knees and backs. A lot of uh, a lot of powerlifting mentality. You know, a lot of heavy deadlifts is what's getting blamed for a lot of the back things from the the kids that I see and interact with. Um, and then just really like the non-contact. What I'm what I'm going to air quote vilify me for this but semi unnecessary you know things that you know you didn't get rolled up on by a 350 pound you know dude at a bad angle you just jumped up for a ball a foot off the air and came down your knee blew out type of stuff um i just generally think that stuff's um as preventable as possible if i'm going to be political about it yeah definitely i mean those are and, and those are the things that uh i think john and i have have covered those types of, of uh, injuries just, well, a ton. Let's face it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's that non-contact. And when I say non-contact, okay, I realize they're coming in contact with the ground. I get that. But mm-hmm. we're talking, like you said, but it's not at some weird angle or whatever. These are things that, uh, you know, someone tears their ACL just trying to change direction or or whatever. Or they, you know, they, you know, their shoulder bothers them every time they throw the ball, but they never had a direct injury nothing like that or you know their back hurts from from squatting what those are the types of things that should not happen right those are the things that we should not be seeing there's yeah yeah i agree and that's exactly what i'm talking about for sure yep those those things and and i think just you know i i take any anybody that would ever get hurt in my facility or you know an athlete would go out in a competition and and pull up with a hammy or anything like that like that's going to ruin my week you know that i'm going to take that probably to the nth degree of what do i need to change so this never ever happens again because that really really bothers me and knock on wood i only have one thing that really grinds my gears right now that has happened under my watch but you know and it Odds are that it's not going to be the only one, right? Over time, but at the same time, you know, um, you just gotta you gotta look under the hood, right? You gotta be have, be humble enough, I think, first of all, to say I might have got that one wrong. You know, when I had kids crashing forward that were doing banded box squats because I thought West Side was the way to go, and they couldn't even you know hold their bodies and they're getting thrown forward by bands. Mm-hmm. I was like, something doesn't look right here. I should probably stop doing this before I get a kid, you know, neck broken going into a squat rack or something. You know, what I mean, so it's like that's what I see around here. It's just like you just the re, kind of stubborn refusal to adapt. Yeah. So, you know, coming from that football mentality, that weight mentality, you know, 
you started to kind of slowly bridge that gap into, you know, a little bit more of, like you said, the Tony Holler type stuff, you know, the square one type of things. Um, I definitely want to get into square one, but I'm curious, like, you know, how, how being exposed to the neurotype stuff influenced you as a strength coach, as a trainer? Like, how did that type of thought process influence your training and your programming? Yeah, and I have to I have to go back to being a coach because that's where I first got introduced. You know, um, Track Football Consortium. I think they're doing some of the best work um, in the world. Oh yeah, work with you, they are. I was so there not- for the very very first one. Where was that? <laughs> uh, we were up uh, wherever. Uh, gosh, I don't even remember where we were. Chicago, right outside Chicago. Mm, yeah, I mean it was probably ten years ago. I feel like at least. So as soon as I became a head football coach, that's the only clinic we would go to because I didn't. I felt like I had decades of learning, you know, within that room. I didn't need to go to a big glazier clinic or, or whatnot. And I found a philosophy, you know. And I was on a, I was, I was leading a team of, uh, you know, not great talent, awesome kids, but we didn't have a lot of talent. We didn't have a lot of size, so we were always looking for those hacks. And um, shoot, our injuries went away, so we learned RPR. Got exposed to that, you know, at a TFC. Went and got mm-hmm. certified in it, and a lot of I think for a lot of people that are that are into the things that we are, that was maybe their gateway drug, their way in. It was, it was a yeah, you I know a nice that. nice little warm up, nice little hack that that beats the pants out of stretching and traditional old school stuff. Oh. And so you know, two years of that, and we had no soft tissue injuries and no concussions, and from being pretty banged up the previous two years. And uh, you know, I mean, I'm you know I'm not smartest guy in the world but i try to draw some parallels there and and then you know just degrees of separation you oh oh you think this is cool you should meet this guy or you should do this and you know and then you know so we started implementing that obviously as football coach and on the side um just the private stuff and advanced into taking some posturology and some ip courses with matt boulet and you know oh then you just you just meet people you know how it works right you meet Sean Sherman's of the world and you meet Dr. J's of the world and you just keep, you keep going down. And so how that's changed my viewpoint is, you know, it just flipped it on its head. So everything is a brain central nervous system centered first. So my practice plans as a head, head varsity football coach were centered on the central nervous system as like, where do we go from there? Right. Not Skelly, Indy, team D, team O, where we added a CNS level on Monday between JV and varsity and where do we want to be by Friday. And so combining, you know, Corfist and Holler and Dan Fichter and all those um, really good professionals that I've learned from over the years, combining that with what I was learning on the side through other modalities, and it just becomes a very brain uh, CNS-centered philosophy, whether no matter the context, as a coach or, a, you know, private gym facility um, performance training spot. So. Okay. So we, and uh, how I do you think some things like you know for example and by the way this is a this is a Sean Sherman square one uh, thing but were you able to find that your te- as a team maybe you could do things like signal six um, again one of uh, Sean's uh, uh, systems that they could do you could just do have a whole bunch of kids doing it all at the same time maybe something along that line and that's how you were able to implement it how did you go about actually applying it to a team. Um, you know, I learned, I learned, uh, the Sean Sherman stuff after I was done coaching. So, um, that came right after. So I didn't and to answer your question. Sorry, I got nothing good for you, but I would have been for sure. I think it would have been just, uh, you know, in a high school setting, that's kind of easy. I like to look at, um, 
you know, some people that in the industry that have giant lines on a nice indoor turf field and they've got everybody on command and, and they're doing those things. And it could be, you know, a lot of, uh, functional range of motion work of any kind. Right. And I think that's a great way to just prep the body. So I, yeah, I would have been, but that stuff came, you know, I, my last season was 2021. Um, and then it was all private from there. So I, I got, uh, went down that rabbit hole just basically right when I was getting out. That makes sense. So what it, tell us a little bit then about posturology, and the reason why I'm asking that is we're about to have Matt Boulay on the show yeah. here in the yeah. week or two, awesome. two, three weeks, something like that. And, and uh, yeah, so we're really excited to have him on. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to claim ignorance on his system. I, I mean, I, I know it has a lot to do with eyes and foot, feet and eyes, but, like, you know, and it, it I hear lots of great things, but I, I'm kind of wanting a little preview of what to look forward to. Yeah, so you're going to dig into motor patterns and primitive motor patterns and and those those um those things that if we developed absolutely perfectly, we'd have, you know, check all those boxes, you know, and it comes down to we don't and we didn't, you know, we might have not you know, crawled right as a as a baby and something that that I go to all the time, you know. So if I'm talking about Matt, I always tell the story cuz it was the one that really resonated is you know, there's a teenage girl that couldn't pistol squat on one leg and she could on the other very easily. And it was just, you know, you've seen it. There are people, athletes are stuck. And then the three of us know to look through the brain to find, find that mechanism, right? We don't, we're not looking at the body for, to figure out why that one leg's not working. We're going somewhere in the neuro world. Well, you know, at that point, you've got pictures and, and videos of everybody crawling because we've had, you know, technology for, you know, this entire last generation. Mm. So you went and told mom to show you a picture of the baby crawling and she's, you know, has no toe extension on the right leg. She's tucking the leg underneath her body on every, every crawling gait pattern, if you will. So the left leg's working fine. No big toe in the ground at all. They reteach her how to crawl at age 15 or whatnot and bam, pistol squat just happens, right? So you going back to those primitive reflexes. Um, you know, that's why we do neuro spike balls on the feet in my gym because we want to wake up the tactile sensory system, you know, and I've, you know, had some pretty cool things happen with that silly spiky ball too, right? Um, contralateral crawling, you know, just a lot of, a lot of connecting patterns, you know, and then just going back and trying to find the root of it. Um, and I'll be honest, it was drinking through a fire hose and I was in the middle of a second master's degree when I was taking his courses and I didn't take the third because my my culminating project was due the same semester, but you know, I just, it was worthwhile. It was great. Matt's fantastic human being. He's, he's so giving and so, um, so accessible. Um, I had him on an Instagram live a while back and, and whatnot. And he's just, yeah, he's a good dude just in general, somebody that you, you know, should have in your wheelhouse just because of the kind of human being that he is. Sure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to having him on. So yeah. So uh, I, I, and again, I mean, I'm claiming, claiming total ignorance. So it's uh you know it'd be great to just just come in almost just all right Matt just what do you got here <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah yeah for sure I'm looking forward to having him on too um but I want to I want to dig into the primitive reflex side of stuff a little bit um you know when we talk to different coaches it's not an area that we we hear a lot um you know so I'm curious like your experience with primitive reflexes and how you see that playing a role in, you know, especially this younger generation, like, cause I know that I see it regularly and it can be very difficult to explain to a parent like, Hey, your kid's running form sucks because 
of this. Like, you know, and hey, your kid doesn't really have any business deadlifting yet. I don't care if you think it's good for him or not. It's not. And here's why. I don't know. So how how have you seen primitives really influence um, some of your younger generation? Yeah, I mean, just from an obvious standpoint, we just we, we don't move like we should, right? Um, and I think ain't that, that the truth? The yes, product of society. And I'm going to claim a little ignorance on this because I've probably forgotten more about his programs than I learned. But I've just taken what I've taken is I've really committed to um, putting that into practice. But um, so you know the y'all probably did this maybe at some point in your lives. You know we used to do this in like middle school football. Do like the monkey rolls. You got three guys and the guy in the middle hits the deck and rolls toward the one side or the other, and the next guy jumps him, and he's got to hit and roll at the same time. And you have this, this weaving pattern back and forth between three guys. And essentially, we had to stop when the coach said it was time to stop, right? Um, okay, spend 10, 20 seconds, whatever that means. Um, you know, I, some of my best athletes, you know, in here still, still struggle to, you know, sustain that for, you know, let's say 10 seconds, right? They just, they don't get up and they don't know how to fall right and so i see people like you know austin yokum and um other guys that are doing really awesome play-based things and so it's almost like and then he gets slack for it because people are tra- paying good money to have them go play you know spike ball with a somersault mixed with a hurdle jump you know and then a, someone shoving you on the ground you have to <laughs> react to it you know all these these cool things but at the same time like we better start including that. It better be something that we feel like we need to actually program just as much as your deadlift. If we're going to be, um, you know, incapacitated to a certain degree to those like primitive movements. Um, and we, you can't just add, 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 add. So you got to get rid of something in the process. But I think sometimes we're, like you said, that conversation becomes tough, um, with those parents and like, yeah, I paying you to, you know, play tag yeah. or, or somersault. <laughs> and the other day, we just got the gymnastics. Well, I think it's also it's also yeah. still the perception. And sorry to interrupt you, but that's why we don't call these interviews. Well, I guess we do, but it's not an interview because I interrupt people all the time. But it's like it's like oh, you're just a trainer. What well, you know? I'm here to get stronger. Why why does this matter? That's the overwhelming theme that I see all the time. Yeah, when you can't fall with grace, you're gonna probably get hurt. And I think that's probably the most important reason. Like, you're going to fall in sport. You're going to be off balance. Can you handle that? Do you even know how to navigate your body? You know, and it's just a lack of a lack of play and, and primitive. Wherever you think we came from and wherever you think we started from, those primitive things that you were just picking up on the daily are just not not happening right, right? Mm-hmm. so now i gotta teach freaking gymnastics in my gym because you don't know how to do a somersault you know yeah but- yeah i see the rings in the background too <laughs> like i yeah, for those yeah. for those of you listening on audio yeah he's got the big gymnastics rings he's got a big old warehouse and he's got the got those rings back there and um it takes a pretty hardcore dude to be able to you know really do some of that impressive stuff up there i know i can't uh <laughs> but uh what yeah no kidding so Let's uh, let's kind of move into some of the more advanced components of like your system and what you do, you know, down there. Um, you know, with some of like let's say, you know, your older kids, you know, older high school athletes or maybe even college pro. Who I don't I don't really know the extent to you know some of the people that you train. How do you um, you talk about everything being regulated from a CNS standpoint? How do you tend to observe that and regulate that as part of your training? So, like, are you testing people prior to, you know, workouts? Are you testing them after? Does that make sense? Yep, yep. Uh, first thing is simple, the conversation. What did you already do today, right? Where have you been? 
what'd you do? How you feeling? The the check in stuff, right? That I feel like is it's super easy to skip, especially if I'm rushing from the last session to the next and whatnot. But usually the older ones will tell you as well, and then you have to gauge whether how much of that is you know legitimate or if it's for a silly reason too. Um, I like vertical jump tests. How close are you? I don't get caught up in the percentage because I'm too lazy to go look at my notes that says if it's off <laughs> this much or whatever. But we're gonna test that once a week anyway. So. Um, Okay, so you know, what are you looking for in that in that vertical jump test? Uh, and I, if I hear two inches off, something's wrong. You know, um, that's just kind of where I'd see. So it. just like, just off your standard, just yeah, you know, we, we standard track. standing vertical. Uh yeah, yeah, just counter movement jump. So it's part of something we track on the on the posters on our wall. So it's really easy to look and say see where people are. Their names are in dry erase marker on their under the vertical jump board so okay i think that's a really good uh good bit of information right there i think it's a very unique way to approach it dig into that a little bit more you know why 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 do you use the vertical what are kind of the standards um you know and and what do you what do you see as being things that influence this yeah right now the numbers data guy's laughing at me because i don't have the percentage but um i'm looking at Uh, that's just a big CNS fatigue. That's a maximum output movement that's going to require a lot of, you know, central nervous system to be at a, at operating at a high level, right? I'm asking for a maximum effort, no different than if I went out and did a 10 meter fly. And if you're so many, you know, tenths of a second off where you should be, you didn't sleep right. Your girlfriend dumped you, you know, you didn't eat well, you know, some sort of excess stress is on you. So, um, you know, professionally, let's make sure we're not, um, you know, going too hard on, on something to, that taxes that same energy system, right? I just kind of know over time, like, all right, this kid, you know, might not need this or that or the other. However, when they only see me twice a week, I'm probably not super sensitive to that as if I were running four or five-day program in a high school setting. Right. Um, well, we avoid most of the main um, bench squat clean things any in here anyway. You know, um, some of the patterns. You can't use Olympic lifts on this podcast. That's a sin. <laughs> it's a sin in my gym too. So we're good. Yeah. Yep. They're out. They're outlawed here too. I don't even own a bumper plate, so that, that tells you something. There's not one bumper plate in here. Um, uh, but okay, so so you yeah. like to use it, you know, the, the counter, you know, vertical, just your standing, you know, vertical. Yeah. I agree. I think that's a great assessment tool. But just for some listeners who, like I said, you know, maybe aren't from, that's kind of a, a new approach, you know, for them. Um, why do you why do you like to use you know kind of that standard like two inches ish? Is there a particular reason, or just somebody said, hey, that's a good number? No, it's just close enough for me. I think there's there's some error sometimes in our in our technology as well. You know, I swear some days, you know, you feel great and you look at that number and it's just like, I don't, I'm not tired. You you know, you can self-regulate. And there are some days where it literally is way, way off and I have to reset it. (laughs) So, but I think, you know, you don't have to, no one's hardly, you know, you're not perfect every day, right? So if you're within a range, you know, we're okay, right? And we're not hurt. Nothing's holding you back and inhibiting you physically from that, Um, you know, and then we'll try to level up run run that through the the framework of, of square one and clear some layers out of things that might be compensating from any joint angle in that jump and 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 then retest and see if we we just needed a quick you know neural hack on that and boom you're either there or not and life goes on you know that's why we test it so often because i'm not you know speed just like speed it grows like a tree we're not going to be you know 
that that data plot's not going to be up every week, right? It's going to be a, mm. a rising, you know, tide of up down V curves, and and we're just looking for the overall, obviously, pattern to raise um, that line to go in the right direction. But you know, I'd say most people are probably go up every third time we test, you know, maybe. And then obviously you hit some sort of potential where you've got to increase some other <laughs> capacity. <laughs> you said, yeah. You're know, not going to just hit 50, 50 inches one year and 60 the next and keep rolling. Right, so. absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought I like it. implemented the square one because that, you know, that that's uh, that's kind of where my next question was leading. Like, how do you now, we, okay, we talked earlier about the, you know, some of the neural uh, you know, I'm going to call them the neural tricks. Okay, that's not a good word, but that's what I'm calling it. Some of the, the neural tricks, some some of the square ones, some of the some of the uh, uh, posturology um, IP, some of the uh, the some of the um, uh, the reflex release. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sorry, not reflex release, but the uh, PRP. RPR. Say, yeah, come on, Chris. Like we haven't even gotten into that on the show yet. <laughs> All right, well, but right. little teaser. We'll talk about that another day, guys. Some of the some of the B activated. <laughs> I learned it is B activated. Wait, okay. So this I would go back before it was RPR yeah. or whatever it's called. Now. We go back before RPR. I go, yeah. back, I go back as John said. You know, I learned by writing on on uh, stones. So that's uh, you know that goes back away. Yeah. So let's talk about how you, you you mentioned it just a minute ago. How you kind of implement maybe a little square one. Somebody's maybe a little bit below two inches uh, below their best. Is that what you do? You kind of maybe pull that person aside. Maybe in the process of a workout, you actually maybe clear out two, three, four layers, and then send them back in, and then get somebody else. Or how do you implement that? Yeah, we're constantly clearing throughout a whole session. You know, I took a girl aside last night. She's back from a broken uh, fibula. I had her for two days, and she went out and broke her leg playing soccer. Um, so she's back using us for, for rehab and whatnot, and we just did 10 minutes of square one while the other people were on the assault runner treadmill getting their miles per hour, you know, test in for the week. Um, yeah, my, my trainer, Zach, he's uh, square one certified now too since uh, I hosted a clinic about two, three months ago, and – um, so, you know, Hey, go jump and go see Zach. You know, that's, a, that's how we do it. Come see me, come do this, come do that. I got the older ones just asked to be cleared out. Hey, can you, can you check me? Can you do this? Hey, my shoulder's feeling this. And so they'll just come up to you and stick their arm in the air and say, check me. Right. Um, you know, so we can get that quick little, um, neuro test and yeah. So it's constantly what we're doing throughout and, and a lot less with the second, third graders that are in here, obviously, cause they're pretty spongy and adaptable but it's hard to get them to actually you know hold in in live time like we don't have the luxury to take a whole lot of time to do it but we keep our groups small where we can actually manage them i don't i'm not herding 20 cattle in here at once and trying to pretend we get a quality workout that's not my model so we don't go above six six athletes to one trainer in here so um, we can always keep a pretty good tab on things yeah by the way by the way to the apologies to those rpr i believe is what it's called RPR, you you said PRP. Well, PRP is a treatment, but like, we I was on P PRP. All right, yeah. Anyways, yeah. So yeah, no kidding. All right, but yeah, you know what I'm talking about. All right, so wait, as we as we wrap today up, like, if you if you could give the audience, parents, coaches, athletes. If you could give them one piece of advice 
particularly when it comes to experiencing, you know, this new element of neuro training, like, you know, that we talk about so much and, um, you know, that some others across the country talk about, if you could give them one piece of advice, what would you tell them? I would say you're, you're never going to be optimal without addressing the brain first. I don't care how freakishly of a freak you are. You can, you can level up from that standpoint. So to the point where you are seriously missing an entire, well, multifaceted systems of, of performance and pain management and all the things that you already know. So basically if you're ignoring the brain, your, 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 your programming is lacking. You just you are missing a huge component. Literally, the epicenter of everything you're doing is not there. I like it, Wade. Where can everybody find you, man? Yeah, um, Instagram, Wizard underscore Performance, uh, Wizard Performance on Facebook. Um, not huge um, on other platforms. Twitter as a football coach, I was all over there, and I'm barely on there anymore. So, look me up. You can always uh, DM. I'm good responding to DM. I'm not too big for anybody. Um, at all so we'll get back to you very soon and and uh we'll go from there cool well man i appreciate you joining us today it was great to connect with you and hear about what you guys do um down there in texas and man i uh, look forward to uh, connecting with you again here in the future remember guys pay your dues all right pay your dues share the show appreciate you guys love you guys that's the show thank you mate. Thanks for